Hello, and welcome to another message from Aldinga Bay Baptist Church. If you'd like to find out more about us or what we believe, please visit aldingabaybaptist.org.au. Friends, I wonder what your universe looks like uh, today compared to what it did two years ago. There are many things that interrupt our universe. There's earthquakes and floods. There are wars and famines. And who would question that the bushfires of 2019 and COVID pandemic has interrupted our universe? What about a failed relationship or the birth of a child? That can be a joyful interruption or the loss of a loved one, the loss of employment. Indeed, our universe is constantly yielding to the interruptions caused by circumstances beyond our control, maybe apart from the birth of a child. So what does it mean that Almighty God has interrupted our universe? What does that mean to us? I'd like to explore that question with you this morning. Why was it necessary for the Creator God to interrupt our universe? Surely it was sufficient for Him to create out of nothing the heavens, the earth and everything in them, including mankind, in His image, and then to, to sustain them for all eternity. After all, God looked down upon all He had created and declared that it was very good. If you wish to have the comprehensive answer, please read the first few chapters of Genesis. I would like to answer that question with a brief summary found in Genesis chapter 5. This is the written account of Adam's family line when God created mankind. He made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and named him Seth. And I wonder in that short passage if you noticed a contrast there between God's creation of man in God's image and then some years later as the human race developed Mankind was recreated, as it were, in the image of Adam and Eve. So much for the human race. And then we have Paul's letter in Romans. Uh, we read these words about creation. For the creation was subjected to the frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So we have both um, the fall of man, the change there and that ruined image of God, that perfection in mankind, but uh, that fall also affected the entire creation 
So we ask the question, why did God have to intervene? The reality is that we are the reason that God needed to interrupt our universe in order to restore his universe. He interrupts our universe in order to restore his universe. In the beginning, the universe was perfect. Mankind lived in paradise. But after the fall, God had to seal up the garden, lest Adam ate from the tree of life and remained permanently in a fallen state beyond the help of God to recreate him. Why was it necessary? Because in our fallen state, we cannot think right, we cannot do right, and we cannot please God our Father. We are unfit for spending eternity in the presence of the glory of God. This is what we read in Genesis uh, chapter 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, that every inclination of the thought of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. God interrupted our universe because of his loving purpose. He wants his image bearers to spend eternity in his glory and not in a place called hell. The second question is, how did God intervene? We could answer this question simply by repeating John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall, have, shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The long answer is, please, Read your Bibles from uh, Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 1, through to Revelation uh, 22, 21. When we come a little later to the service, uh, in the service to the Lord's Supper, we'll see and remember how our loving God intervened, interrupted our universe. Let's look at our reading uh, that Andrew brought us from uh, John uh, chapter 17. Knowing that the time had come for him to be glorified, having shared in the Passover meal with his disciples and reframing its meaning, uh, the meaning of that meal to what we now call the Lord's Supper, Jesus prayed this powerful intercessory prayer for himself, for his disciples, and for you and me. There's every possibility that this is part of the agonizing prayer Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane where his perspiration seemed like droplets of blood. Where Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will, Father, be done. Following this prayer, God interrupted the universe by momentarily abandoning on the cross his one and only son 
allowing the sinless God-man to bear the sin of the world. Friends, it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was his obedience to his Father. It was my sin that held Jesus to that cross until it was finished. In light of this, here again, the incredible intercessor is intercession by Christ Jesus for me, for you and all who believe and will believe. For all the Father has gifted to Jesus that he might save them for all eternity. My prayer is not for them alone, that is the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Friends, we're here today because the disciples did the very thing that Jesus asked them to do, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did the disciples answer Jesus' prayer? You today, I am a living testimony to the fact that they answered that prayer that Jesus prayed uh, for them. That they, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. A great commission there for us as our triune God, in the unity of spirit, purpose and grace, we must also be united in Christ, in spirit and in purpose. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will believe that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's a unity in Christ through which we, as the body of Christ, witness into the world that the world might know that God loves them, all people, as he has loved us. Friends, know that you are loved by Almighty God, the one whom we call our Father. He gives us life and love and liberty to love him and to live in this world as his witnesses. When we receive Jesus, we receive God's glory and that glory is perfect and life-giving. Let us not squander this greatest gift of all gifts, the love of God, our Father. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ passionately pray that God will interrupt the universe of those we know and love, but do not yet know. Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. 
Then Jesus continues on, Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. And there we have witness to the fact of the pre-existent Christ, that the Father and the Son and the Spirit were one at the very beginning. We know in creation the Spirit hovered above the water and there we have the triune God. Righteous Father, through the word, the world, sorry, Righteous Father, though the world does not yet know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So I have this great prayer of intercession that the word, the Logos, the living word in Jesus Christ continues to fill this world, this universe, in order that all people might have the opportunity to bend their knee and to confess with their tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. Indeed, Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul writes a little uh, in Ephesians there about uh, the triune God being involved in the salvation of ourselves and those who will be saved, those who have been saved, where the Father uh, selects, as it were, and gives to the Son, and the Son redeems, and then the Holy Spirit guarantees or seals for all eternity that salvation. As we've sung this morning, nothing can take us from the hands of God as God is for us. Who can take us from his love? We hear Christ's passionate mission. Little wonder that Jesus said elsewhere, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would have I told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be where I am. That you may be where I am, also be where I am and see his glory. We read that in John 14. What an interruption. I wonder in your life if you enjoy interruptions that you plan to do A, B and C and then that is interrupted and you're unable to do that and something else takes your passion and your purpose in life. That is the interruption that our Father has caused in our universe in order that his universe will be made complete. All that we had hoped for in this world has been replaced, interrupted by the desire and hope for the eternity that God the Father has placed in our souls, in our hearts. Jesus alone is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Friends, that is not a mere interruption. 
That is the way God planned the universe for all of us from the very beginning. So the third question then is, what are the implications for us? Through the interruption brought by the prayer of Jesus, you and I have been recreated, making us fit for being in the presence of God's glory forever. I just pause there for a moment. Contemplate being in the glory of Almighty God, being fit for that purpose forever. When a person repents and receives Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and is baptised, and so answer Jesus' prayer, they have the original image of God restored. God now sees that person as they ought to be and not as they are. We live in that confidence. Our consciences are freed from fear. I'm wondering, friends, if that is good news. Good news for you and for me. Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was recon reconciling the world through himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. We read that in 2 Corinthians Apart from the knowledge of the preciousness of our salvation, Jesus' prayer places an imperative on all believers. Our unity in Christ is our witness to the world that others may answer his prayer by being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. One in truth, one in spirit, one in communion, we cannot do this by ourselves. Jesus has sent his helper, the Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Father and the Son. We need to understand that Jesus didn't stop praying. Jesus has ascended. He's been enthroned. He is now our great high priest in that perfect temple in heaven. And he is interceding for us even right now, even as your hearts consider what the future might look like in the glory of God. When we pray, our prayer is carried by the Holy Spirit into the presence of Jesus, who interprets that prayer and presents it to his Father in order that God's will will be done to his glory. And we read that in uh, Hebrews. Uh, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, with sincere heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on. Onwards. Uh, uh, on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. And so the passage goes on. What a great confidence we have. So friends, what are the implications for us? We've considered just a few of those, but one is the glory of Almighty God. One is the apprehension of God's grace and mercy and love for us. And one is that we are to go into this world and in unity of purpose convey to those who do not yet know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour that God wants to interrupt their universe so that they might be part of his universe today and tomorrow and forever. God interrupted our universe because he loves us and seeks to restore us and all creation. Jesus prayed that his Father would, in, would so interrupt our lives that we might receive forgiveness of sin and so share in his resurrected life and the glory of God. As Christians, we are called through faith to interrupt the universe of those around us by making known the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for them and right now is praying that they also may be saved and restored. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word made living through Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that even now our Lord intercedes for us and takes our feeble prayers and interprets them in order, Father, that you might be glorified through answering that prayer according to your will. Empower us, Father, to be one one in Christ, one in you, Father, one in purpose and in spirit, that we might indeed in this world be light and salt that is life-giving, not for our glory, Father, but for yours. This we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.